This is the Tougher Minds podcast, and once again, we're discussing a concept from our free ebook, The Elite Business Athlete. The book explains how performance secrets from global sporting icons can be beneficial and transformative for everyone. It's free to download from tougherminds.co.uk. We start this podcast by asking Tougher Minds founder, Dr. John Finn, to explain exactly what is confidence and how it affects us as people. We think of confidence as a, a belief in yourself, but it's divided into two core parts. One is um, an overall belief in your ability to do something. And the second part is the evidence that you've got that you can actually um, do that thing. So you need both um, an overall belief system in your ability to do, um, to be a leader, for example, but then you need some evidence to back that up. And if you get the two together, you've got really robust confidence levels. And, and in the literature, academically, we call that um, self-esteem and self-efficacy. And, and why is that so important for, for people uh, to function well and perform well? It's, uh, we've talked in previous podcasts about how people are predisposed to perhaps dwell on, on threats or concerns and, and worry so, so why is confidence uh, important to them? Because that's probably the number one way to help you to pay attention to things that are helpful for you. So if you have a belief system and, and evidence that you can do something particularly well, then it's much easier not to keep dwelling on the unhelpful thoughts. So really, if we think about concepts like emotional regulation, self-control, which at the heart of what we're interested in at Tougher Minds, then confidence is intrinsically connected to those ideas. The ability to to manage what you're paying attention to is really what confidence is. And, you know, good confidence is often described as not getting too high, not getting too low. And we know from um, Carol, uh, sorry, from Barbara Fredrickson's work, on flourishing and languishing that humans who are who are flourishing seem to be processing on average around three helpful emotions to every one unhelpful emotion um, and she calls that grounded positivity so this this need to keep to be able to pay attention to things that, that are helpful for you but also um to be aware of things that you can get better at as well. And that's why the house of confidence symbol we use looks like it does. It's got a three to one ratio in there of the hack brain and the eight brain. So, um, you know, if we, if we unpick the, all these uh, concepts of resilience, bounce back ability, they're all about being able to uh, um, not dwell on the unhelpful information and get your attention on, onto what is helpful for you. But as uh, Fredrickson points out, there's there's a ratio going on there, at least three to one. Yeah, and I think you've um, you've certainly talked away from the podcast to, to me previously about the ability to manage confidence, which might be a phrase that takes some people by surprise. But uh, I think there you've uh, hinted at exactly how people might go about it. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a few moments. But in the Elite Business Athlete, the free ebook, which is available for download on 
tougherminds.co.uk. The, the chapter in which you, you analyse and discuss confidence includes another, another case study, of course, from the world of elite sport. This particular one is Jessica Ennis-Hill, of course, an Olympic gold medal winner in the heptathlon, double world heptathlon champion, highly decorated athlete, arguably one of Britain's greatest all-time athletes. Um, but there's a fascinating case study in there about how she had a, a very much confidence-knocking episode in her career. Yeah, so a little-known story, really, because it happened when Jess wasn't uh, very famous, but she fractured her right foot, which was her dominant takeoff foot in um, the long jump, which meant she had to switch foot, her feet so to go to her left foot and then essentially learn that skill again. Um, that particular injury caused her to miss the Beijing Games, the Olympic Games. Um, and it was quite interesting, that particular journey, because it was very well documented. Um, the BBC ran a series about the build-up to uh, London 2012 and the sort of the young British athletes that we might hopefully see winning gold medals in, in London. Then also Jess Ennis, as a profile was raising, was writing, I think um, a, a Daily Telegraph column as well. So it was quite um, easy to, to sort of see the, the processes and the difficulties, but also the coping strategy she was using to manage this um, big source of strain that we can call in psychology literature, this disconnect of her meaning systems, um, she was using um, what 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 he would call meaning focused coping, which is a term learned from uh, Susan Folkman's work, who's one of the forethinkers of how we understand um, how humans cope. And Jessica Ren is using these quite sophisticated ways of reframing a very difficult uh, situation, but seemingly becoming very skilled at that. That's an area that my own PhD work uh, looked at in a lot of detail. So, yeah, Jess is a, is a great case study. And then, obviously, she's gone on to be um, double world champion now, Olympic champion, mother. And then, sure, there'll be a big spotlight on her at the Rio Games as well. So, yeah, it's sort of interesting how she was able to control her attention and um, not become overwhelmed by... The, the disconnections that, that occur when you get a, a, a big injury, not just in your... The, the, the result of that isn't just in your athletic life, it also bleeds into your social life and, and everything else as well. And these sort of sources of strain come together, they become can become overwhelming, and they can last you know, a very, very long period of time. Um, but she, she managed that transition very well and she managed to get... Um, be, will become the world world champion within, I think, it's, uh, about two years of, of that injury taking place. So it was pretty phenomenal. Yes, indeed, and uh, I think uh, she's recognised. Perhaps many people don't have that insight you've just described, but she's certainly recognised for her, her all round excellence. And uh, perhaps some people are inadvertently noticing the kind of, of resilience qualities uh, you're describing there. Um, we will talk in a few moments then about how people might 
go about harnessing this insight to manage their confidence and and reappraise bad situations. But uh, the um, the actual experience of of undergoing a um, a confidence knocking or a, a threatening moment or a, some setback. I understand that when that happens, it's important to realize there's actually a biological process happening in your head. Uh, it's a hormonal response you have to these threatening moments. Yeah, so um, your brain, your HPA axis is, is, is firing off and your, your brain, people, I think a lot of people understand fight or flight response, you know, that connects to this. So your brain gets in a heightened state of fight or flight response, which can ultimately be damaging to stress management mechanisms. Um, some good data showing that if you don't get the right um, balance of chemicals in your brain, then new brain cells won't leave the hippocampus, they won't come out. And also good data showing that new brain cells are absolutely essential for managing stress um, because it probably helps us to think around problems more flexibly as opposed to getting a, a rut in the way that we think about something. So, yeah, we you know we are kind of a bag of chemicals to an extent and um, when something challenging happens, then uh, we, we tend to get an, an imbalance and, and that's often why you know the first ma- the first management of any of any stress is to start to control your breathing, which um, helps your body to regulate some some of some of this this imbalance, if you like, by kind of directly managing the the CO two oxygen exchange mechanism, which your brain is very sensitive about. And uh, aside from that, which you know I'm sure is very useful in and of itself, and. Uh... I'm sure people can think of moments when, uh, if, they, if they just consider that, they might think uh, of moments when that sort of approach might have been useful. But you, in the elite business athlete, you talk about ways people can actually go about controlling and managing confidence on a, a, a regular basis. Um, I know you've talked to just previously about the idea of helpful and unhelpful thoughts. So talk to us a little bit more, if you would, about that and how everyone regardless of the endeavor they're involved in not just sport but but business education whatever how they might deploy that to 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 manage and improve confidence levels to enhance their own performance well well, first of all we know that um you know confidence is earned you build up confidence over a period of time via successes we we also know that the ability to manage stress Although it might seem quite innate in some people, it's a skill, and it, and it seems like people can learn that skill. Um, we, we can see that at a neurological level, where the, the parts of the, the prefrontal cortex, which we use to manage the ape brain, uh, the limbic regions, if people engage in, for, sim- for very simple language, let's say stress training uh, or stress management exercise training, then the site, the, the part of the brain responsible for managing the brain, they get their strength and they get bigger. Um, and it seems like a, a very powerful way to, to manage stress is to, um, is to, is to write things down, is to commit things to paper because 
if we just think about these things, our brain has a very limited ability to, you know, hold thoughts in our consciousness. They, they disappear very, very quickly. So our short-term memory only lasts about 30 seconds. So by writing down helpful things, it focuses our brain to pay attention to the helpful things. Um, and if we have some strategies, so we have um, we have cozy confidence skills, we have fab confidence skills. These are strategies that allow people to um, put some structure around what they're what they're paying attention to. And you know, one of our main vehicles, the performance planner, which is always slightly, slightly bespoke for different customers, but there's always a section in that which is about writing down what's helpful um, for you on, on any particular day, what's gone well for you today, you know, what progress are you making. So I think in very simple terms, you've got to force your brain to pay attention to what's helpful, to what's going well for you. Because if you leave your ape brain to its own devices, it just pays attention to the unhelpful stuff. Probably the best way to force your brain to do that, to pay it to it, to pay attention to helpful things is to write things down, commit things to paper. Um, or secondly, you know, tell someone else about it, tell someone the story of what's going well for you. So we can start to reinforce the parts of our brain which we need to help us to manage the air brain. And, and you've spoken before about how um, you have to firstly acquire knowledge and then, then skill and then transform that into a habit. And, I believe it's it's fair to say that this can have this applies equally to this process of of developing confidence. It becomes a a virtuous cycle. Yeah, because you know a confidence skill is really a, it's a thinking skill. It's how you think, and you can learn to to reframe, um, reframe challenges. I spent a whole PhD looking at this stuff, so. I've got no doubt that after that PhD, I was a lot better at reframing things because I was practicing it um, kind of subconsciously to an extent. But um, and, and really, you know, uh, we talk about optimistic and pessimistic people. You, that's a continuum ultimately. You, you can move up the continuum definitely. So you get better at reframing things. So... Yeah, it's a skill and it's something that can be acquired. Um, unfortunately, we don't teach young people. I was doing some work um, for a business client, finance client in Luxembourg only last week and some of the people were saying, why don't we teach children at school this? Well, yeah, exactly. Why don't we do that? Because it's so essential and we're seeing this you know, explosion of, of uh, mental health problems um, or certainly our, our awareness of it is exploding for teenagers where mental illnesses uh, typically stem from in the teenage years. But yeah, I feel like we're not really teaching young people simple and practical skills that they can use to manage themselves. Um, we're doing a lot of talk therapy with them, but I don't think that the the interventions they're getting are necessarily sort of very simple and very practical and, and kind of skill-based. 
So I think there's a lot more we can do with this understanding to actually help more young people um, to get better at managing themselves. You know, and certainly our clients in the education field are recognising our ability to do that because more and more people contact us about this kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, you know, managing confidence, like everything else we've spoken about, is a skill and you can teach people how to get better at it. And I think that, you know, confidence is uh, probably the most important thing you, you can learn how to manage if you want to be happy, sort of healthy, high-performing in life. That was the Tougher Minds podcast in which we discussed confidence. Remember, the Elite Business Athlete is the free Tougher Minds ebook, which explains how performance secrets from global sporting icons can be beneficial and transformative for everyone. You can download the Elite Business Athlete from tougherminds.co.uk. It's totally free. Thanks for listening.